Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing all right. Just before we start, let me just mention this comment that I got on the website today from a listener called Mamen uh, from Spain. And uh, she wrote this, Hi Luke, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you very much. Um, I would like to thank you for your amazing podcast and also to tell you about uh, my experience with Spoken, one of your sponsors. It's been amazing. I booked my first free lesson and it was such an incredible lesson. If you like, I could share with you all some details from it. Thank you very much. So there you see that Mamen is very happy with um, the experience that she's had with Spoken. And I'm waiting for her to write some more details about that. So I'm looking forward to finding out exactly uh, why it was such an incredible lesson. But it's very good to know uh, that it's been a success for you, Mamen. And uh, everyone else, I just want to remind you that this episode is sponsored by Spoken. Uh, that service that Mamen was talking about. Uh, and Spoken specialise in helping busy people improve their English for professional purposes in a really convenient way. And if it works for Mamen, then it could work for you too. Uh, and with Spoken, you can get tailored and flexible English lessons delivered directly to your phone via messaging services like WhatsApp or WeChat. And the guys at Spoken are offering you two free lessons and then 20% off all of their courses. To find out more and to automatically get the discount, go to www.getspoken.com slash L-E-P or just click a Spoken logo on my website. All right then? Okay, so here's a new episode for you now. So let's get started with the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Here is another episode of Luke's English Podcast done in a similar style to the last one with some news, some rambling and some questions and comments from the website. Topics in this episode will include uh, my live comedy show in Tokyo on the 13th of April, uh, some differences between comedy and humour in France and the UK, understanding TV shows and movies in English, uh, talking about Breaking Bad, uh, a TV show that I finally finished watching recently. Um, Logan, the latest Wolverine movie, which I saw in the cinema not long ago. Um, some grammar teaching and more stuff like that. Okay, and let's get straight down to it here, right at the beginning of the episode, by saying uh, that I am doing a comedy show in Japan um, on the 13th of April. So if any of you listening to this are living in the Tokyo area and you would like to come and see me perform some stand-up comedy as part of a, a comedy show in English, uh, then you are welcome to come and join the show. Uh, 13th of April uh, at uh, a live house called Gamuso in Asagaya, uh, which is just a district of Tokyo. Uh, the, the live house Gamuso is not far from Asagaya Station. Um, and um, doors are going to be open at seven o'clock in the evening and the show is expected to go on till about 10 p.m. Okay, um, so doors are going to be open about seven and the show is expected to continue until about 10. I think that the comedy will probably begin at about 8 p.m. Um, so I hope that you can make it. Um, it's free to get in, free entry. Um, obviously, I hope that you you do buy a drink at the bar so that the uh, the owner of the bar will uh, you know will make a little bit of money on drinks. It's quite a small venue. Uh, apparently, 
it fits about 30 or 40 people. So it's pretty small. Um, you might be wondering if it's possible to book tickets. As far as I know, it's not possible to book tickets. Um, so I've no idea how many people are going to turn up. Um, I don't know. It could just be a few people, um, a few lepsters in Tokyo might turn up. But equally, there might be a queue of people standing outside the building. I've no idea. Uh, this is the first time I've ever done this. It's the first time I've organised a comedy show in another country uh, and advertised it on the podcast. But this is it. It's actually happening. Um, okay, so uh, this, the details of the show are on the page for this episode on my website. You can also find the details for this show uh, on Facebook. If you look for uh, my page for Luke's English Podcast on Facebook, uh, you'll see that I've posted it um I posted the link the to the Facebook event uh, on my Facebook page just the other day. Uh, I posted it there. When was it? Um, yesterday. So that's the third of April. I posted it, and the the um, the event on Facebook is called Luke's English Comedy Show in Tokyo. So you can find it there. Also, if you find Luke Thompson Comedy on Facebook. You'll find the the link to the event there as well, okay? Uh, but equally, uh, it's everything is just on the page for this episode on my website. So basically, there will be a few other comedians first doing stand-up comedy in English, telling jokes or whatever and trying to make the audience laugh. And then after that, I will take the stage and do a set of stand-up comedy for you to enjoy. Um, I think I'll probably be doing about 20 to 30 minutes um, I imagine that it will be mainly stand-up comedy, so I'll put together a, um, a routine of comedy to 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 do for the audience. Uh, I expect I expect it'll be mainly that. I don't know. There might be some time for questions if there are any. Uh, but uh, my my aim is to just try and do a comedy performance for twenty to thirty minutes. Okay, um, but you'll also be able to enjoy uh, seeing comedy from other people as well. And these are other English-speaking comedians who are based in the Tokyo area. Um, so if you're living in Tokyo and you're a fan of this podcast and you think you can make it, come down to Asagaya on Thursday the 13th of April. Be there for about 7 o'clock uh, if you can. I expect the comedy will begin at about 8. Um, and get yourself a drink and enjoy the show uh, it might be possible I expect it'll be possible to say hello to me as well I'm you know I could probably meet you at the end of the show I imagine I don't know I don't know exactly what my plans will be of that evening but I'm sure that I'll probably you know I'll be hanging around and you'll be able to come up and say hello and say something like you're in my head now um, or something along those lines uh, and it's going to be really fun I'm really looking forward to it Honestly, I really am. Now, for those of you who are obviously not in Tokyo or who can't uh, attend the event, well, I don't know, honestly, if I will be filming or recording it. I'm not sure. I can't guarantee that. I know that many of you will be thinking, can't you just video the whole thing and then we can see it? I can't guarantee that. I might do some sort of recording while I'm there. Whether or not I'll be recording the uh, the performance is another thing because um, it's stand-up. It's a stand-up show and I have to be quite careful about uh, stand-up material that I film and then publish on YouTube because, you know, stand-up comedians, we've got our stage material and we don't always want to publish it because once it's gone onto YouTube and people have seen it, then you can't kind of do it on stage anymore. Um, so I'm not quite ready to publish all my material onto the internet yet um but i mean you know i'll probably talk about it and i might do a recording while i'm there but i'm not 
guaranteeing that I'll actually be able to publish the recording. So the only way to do it is to actually see me live. That's the only way you can actually see that that comedy stuff happening. Um, I would like to say sorry to people in Osaka, which is the second biggest city in Japan. I understand that I've got, you know, quite a lot of people in Osaka who like to listen to this podcast too. And you're probably disappointed that I can't come to your uh, city and do a show for you there. I'm really sorry. I can't do that. Um, mainly this this you know trip to Japan is a holiday for my wife and me. Uh, we're celebrating our second uh, wedding anniversary. That's part of the reason that we're doing the trip. The other part of the reason we're doing the trip is um, is to celebrate my birthday, um, which is coming up in May. I'll probably talk to you more about that at some point. But it's my 40th birthday in May, and so you know my wife. Um, basically decided that we could go to Japan as a, like a, a birthday treat for me. But also, it's very important for me to bring my wife to Japan because she's never been there. And I, you know, she loves Japanese food and Japanese stuff in general. So I'm really keen to to show her Japan. Uh, so, you know, it is a holiday. Uh, we can't really take time out to do many public, you know, things. So it's mainly a holiday. Um, so I'm really sorry to people in Osaka who are like hoping f- for me to come and do a show there. No, I can't do it, I'm afraid. There just isn't time. We're only going to be there for just over a week and our schedule is already full of all the things we want to do and the people that we want to see because there are still some people in Japan that I, I know from when I used to live there. Uh, so there's, there's just too many things to do. I'm really sorry. Um, for example, um, we're, we're only going to be in, in Kyoto, which I understand is very close to Osaka. We're only going to be in Kyoto for like a couple of days and we've already filled up those days with things we want to see and do and literally we leave uh, Kyoto on the Thursday and travel back to Tokyo on the Shinkansen on the bullet train and that's going to be a very busy afternoon because we've got to travel all the way from Kyoto to Tokyo and uh, I have to get back in time to be present at the venue uh, to be ready and to do my show so you know I really don't even have you know uh, a few hours to spare it's all go 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 so sorry about that guys I mean um, maybe next time maybe next time I'll, I'll, I'll come back and I'll make a point of visiting Osaka and uh, I'll put on a show there and then you can come and see it um, but uh, otherwise if you're in Tokyo come down to the show it's going to be lots of fun okay and hopefully this is just the beginning of more of this kind of thing now that you know the as I've said the reason I'm actually in Japan is for a holiday and I've just managed to you know get this show organized um, while I'm there um, now then I, I I often talk about um, meetups um, involving lepsters like uh, uh lepster meetups um i talked to you before about one that was happening in london do you remember that uh, that was in the last episode uh the uh the, the fact that some uh lepsters are getting together in london just a reminder for that one um uh this is being organized by mo uh who's living in london he's a lepster and um mo has organized to get together for london lepsters on the 8th of april that's this coming saturday um at uh, 1 p.m. at uh, Costa Coffee uh, in Rathbone Place in Fitzrovia, just near Oxford Street, near Tottenham Court Road Station. Um, so be there at 1 p.m. and you can hang out with uh, Mo and the other Lepsters who are there. Um, Mo will be wearing a Luke's English Podcast t-shirt, so you'll be able to identify him. Uh, also, there are um, there is a meeting for Russian Lepsters in St. Petersburg. Uh, St. Petersburg... And that's happening on Sunday, the 9th of April. 
Um, and, um, you know, I just want to take this opportunity to just, you know, say hello to uh, my listeners in St. Petersburg. I understand that uh, recently there was a, uh, a a bomb on the metro system in St. Petersburg. I saw it in the news. It looks awful. Um, apparently 14 people were killed in a terrorist attack in St. Petersburg uh, just a couple of days ago. Really horrible thing to have happened. And, you know, as we know, um, an, another attack happened in London recently uh, and in other places. And it's just, I, I'm not entirely sure the reason why this happened, uh, who it was who did it. I think that they're still investigating it. Um, but I just wanted to say, you know, I know how you feel if you're in St. Petersburg at the moment and you're affected by this in any way, then honestly, I know how you how you feel. And my heart goes out to you because I know what it's like when uh, your city is subject to an attack of this nature. Uh, it's shocking. It's upsetting. Um, you know, I was I was in London when the London Underground was was attacked um, in 2005. I was here in Paris uh, when Paris was attacked several times in, in recent years. Uh, it's shocking and upsetting. But, you know, just like I said in the last episode, we keep calm and carry on, don't we? Yes, we do. It's important to keep calm and carry on. And so, you know, I hope that um, um, that a number of my listeners get together uh, at this meetup, which is happening on Sunday, the 9th of April. Um, and uh, I'm just trying to find the event page here on Facebook uh, so I can tell you some more about it. I got, a, I got this uh, message from Nick uh, Worcester, who is uh, the Russian Lepster who organizes these get-togethers uh, in Russia. And Nick said to me, hi, Luke, how are things, man? Things are all right, Nick. Thanks. Uh, despite the 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 nasty news that uh, came through from St. Petersburg, but other than that, things are fine. Um, and Nick said, uh, "We have already organised the first get together in St. Petersburg, and it will be on the 9th of April. Will you help us with publicity once we announce?" announce this event. And yes, I will, Nick. I'm very glad to uh, encourage my listeners to get together and socialise in English, to practice speaking English, to get together with a group of like-minded people. I think it's a really good idea. Um, so here are some details about this. Now, unfortunately, I can't say the name of the anti-cafe where this is happening because I can't pronounce it. Um, so all I, all I will say to you is that you should either check the page for this episode on my website where you'll see the details or check the Facebook page for um, for St. Petersburg Lepster's Conversation Club. St. Petersburg, SPB, Lepster's Conversational Club on Facebook and you'll find the details. Um, and this is what Nick wrote on the uh, event page on Facebook. He said, Lepster's and Lepstresses. Now, I think lepstresses means female lepsters, but uh, I always understood that lepsters was a sort of non-gender specific uh, word. But anyway, you know, fine, lepstresses in this case. Lepsters and lepstresses. Uh, guys, time the time has come to meet up. Our first meeting in St. Petersburg will take place on the 9th of April in the anti-cafe. <laughs> Can't pronounce it because it's written in Cyrillic. Sorry, I still haven't learned Russian yet. Um, we propose just to get to know each other, have a ramble chat, discuss your favourite episodes of Luke's English Podcast and just have fun. The St. Petersburg Lepsters Club is absolutely free, but the anti-cafe charges everyone two rubles per minute just for being there. As usual, this price includes unlimited coffee, tea and cookies. Brilliant. 
By the way, this anti-cafe claims that their coffee is the best in St. Petersburg. Check it out. Uh, can you please click on going if you plan to go and interested if you would like to, but you don't know yet. Let's perform uh, this uh, very first St. Petersburg get-together. Let's do it, dear Lepsters and Lepstresses. So there you go. Do get together. Do speak uh, English together. Make friends um, and keep calm and carry on. Yes. All right, then. Um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, also, um, as far as I understand... Uh, Moscow Lepsters are still getting together regularly every weekend. So, um, you know, get involved, get involved. And why not try doing it in your town as well? Um, you could uh, set up your own meetup groups in your town. And if you do that, let me know and I can just give a quick announcement on the on the podcast uh, too. All right. <coughs> oh, I've got a bit of a sore throat today. I don't know if you can notice that. Did you notice any difference in my voice? I've got a slightly blocked up nose and a bit of a sore throat. Um, I just picked that up over the weekend. I had a very busy weekend um, working uh, as usual because I work every Saturday. Uh, very busy weekend, not just working, but also uh, rehearsing music, playing music, practicing music with uh, with the band that I get together with occasionally. The band is basically me, my brother James, my cousin Oliver and our friend Steve. And um, we usually get together to, to prepare for parties that we put on usually birthday parties or you know other similar parties like that the the party that we're preparing for this time is my 40th birthday party and yes i'm turning 40 in may you don't really need to know this but i'm telling you anyway just because it's what's been going on i've just got it in my head at the moment so yes um we're preparing for a party we're going to have a fancy dress party in london and the theme of the party is movies so we're encouraging all of our friends and family to dress up as different characters from films and that's going to be fun we're going to have a prize for the best uh, fancy dress costume um and uh so it's going to be interesting to see who people dress up as and how inventive people get uh and the music that we're going to do the band uh we're going to do music uh uh playing songs from different movies so we've got some songs from Quentin Tarantino we've got some songs from Back to the Future we've got bits of rock and roll you know different things it's going to be really fun and uh and so that's fun uh sorry you're not invited uh, it's a private event as uh, at this at this stage we're not opening it up to the public but uh, anyway I just thought I'd tell you about it because that's why my my voice is a bit rough today uh because I spent the weekend not only teaching English but also singing as loudly as I could uh in order to try and sing over the this loud music that we've been playing in the studio we spent four hours in the studio on saturday night and then four hours on sunday afternoon banging out these songs and singing and singing with all the power i could give including uh the power of love by huey lewis and the news you know that one it's from the movie back to the future so i'm singing that uh and i'm singing you know various others as well and it's loads of fun, but it's, it is hard work on the voice. So if I have to kind of break off and cough a little bit sometimes, then that's why. I've also got a blocked up nose. I Basically, I kind of caught a cold. It was really bad timing. On Friday morning, I woke up with like a bit of a sore throat and a, and a dry cough and a bit of a blocked up nose. And then I had to sing and teach. So my voice is suffering a little bit. Um, anyway, so that's that's the condition of my voice. How about you? How's your voice? How are you doing? How's the weather where you are? 
Um, I've been getting different weather reports on the website in the comments section. For some people, it seems to be boiling hot, like 40 degrees. Others are still suffering from freezing cold temperatures. Um, here in Paris, it's really nice, I have to say. Spring, it continues to spring. It continues to do its thing. Um, and uh, the weather is quite mild uh, and a bit sunny. Uh, but April, you know, you never know with April. It could be anything. It could be cold. It could be wet. It could be sunny. Uh, it could be windy. All the season happens in, in April. Um, in Japan, keeping my fingers firmly crossed for reasonably good weather and cherry blossom. I really, really want to see the cherry blossom. It's very difficult to see it. It only lasts about a week. So I hope that we're not going to be too late. Anyway, looking forward to that. Um, here's something I want to say to all of you, um, and I'd like to remind you uh, that you should not forget to check the episode archive on my website, because that's where you'll find other content, like some other recent stuff that I put into the archive that you won't know about unless you are a visitor to the website or you are on the mailing list. If you don't check out the website or if you're not on the mailing list, you won't know about some extra bonus content that I added into the archive recently, including several uh, interviews that I did on other people's podcasts. So I was uh, on Zdenek's English podcast uh, talking about teaching, uh, learning, talking about podcasting, talking about all sorts of things with him, uh, you know, describing the process that I went through when I recorded the Pink Gorilla story and other episodes, uh, talking again about uh, traveling experiences that I'd had uh, in Indonesia and Thailand and stuff like that, talking to Zen uh, Zdenek about his experiences of being an English teacher as a non-native speaker. Zdenek's amazing because he's pushed his English up to a really good level. He's almost finished... Um, He's basically uh, succeeded in getting the Delta qualification, which is a, an extremely tough and very rigorous English teaching qualification. And it's very hard, even for like you know native speakers who've been teaching for years. Uh, Stenick is uh, Stenick has English as a second language, but he's so adept at that, and he's very good at. Um, English teaching and he's got great knowledge of linguistics to the extent that he's now like an advanced level English teacher so that's very impressive and we talked about that and various other issues relating to those things and so there's three episodes of conversation between the two of us and then what Zdenek did was he used his knowledge of linguistics and his ability to do language analysis and he recorded two episodes where he pulled out 25 in in each in each episode, so a total of fifty features of um, of English from the conversation, and he used his English teacher's brain to break down those fifty features. So it's bits of vocabulary like expressions and idioms and things that, that came up in the conversation, uh, bits of pronunciation, and also bits of grammar. And then he clarifies them and explains them. So I really think it's a great little package for you to listen to. You can see the link to the episodes in the archive of my website. And I think it's called uh, Lep on Zep, like Luke's English podcast on Zdenek's English podcast. Uh, it's a great little package because you can listen to some natural conversation between the two of us. And then you can actually uh, listen to Zdenek unpacking those conversations and breaking them down and teaching you specific bits of English that you heard in them. It's a great little series of episodes. And I think that you'd enjoy listening to them and other episodes of uh, Zdenek's English podcast. So there's that. There's also... Um, 
the conversation I had with uh, Daniel Goodson on his podcast, which is called My Fluent Podcast. And uh, that was really cool because Daniel is a dedicated language learner and he's been doing his podcast recently. They're short episodes where he shares his um, like experiences and processes for learning languages. And he asked me about my learning of French, which is something I haven't talked about a lot recently on the podcast, although I do plan to do episodes about it uh, fairly soon. Uh, but he asked me about my French and we talked about that and we talked about sort of, you know, the ways in which I struggle with French and my experiences of, 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 of trying to learn French uh, in France. And, um, you know, I, I kind of talk about some of the... Uh, like excuses that I make about my French and various other things and it was lots of fun and very nice to talk to Daniel so you can listen to that one as well uh, also in the archive and it was called I think my my interview on um, my fluent podcast with Daniel Goodson I think that's what it was Okay, um, here is another comment uh, from uh, Facebook recently, and this one is from a listener called Mattia Andrau, and Mattia wrote uh, this. He wrote, I write this comment just hoping to be mentioned in the next episode. Well, there you are, Mattia, you've just been mentioned. Here's another one from the website, and this is from a listener called Karin, and Karin uh, is writing in response to... Um, uh, a message in the last episode from Adam. Do you remember that? Uh, there were a couple of comments from Adam in the last episode. One of them was about how he was addicted to Luke's English podcast and uh, also how his family hates me because uh, Adam forces them to, to listen to me in the car when they have no choice. And so his children and his wife like really don't like me. Uh, Adam has since clarified that it's not really hate. They don't really hate me. It's just that they they just find it annoying and frustrating to listen to my podcast in the car. Well, you know, that's fine. That's fine. I don't mind. You can't please all the people all the time. But anyway, Karine wrote this in response to Adam's comments. She wrote this. Hello, Luke. Hello, Karine. Uh, to make you feel better about being hated by Adam's family, uh, which you do not deserve... I want to let you know that my two nine-year-old daughters like your podcast very much and they love to listen to it when we are traveling by car. Listening to your podcast is a family thing we sometimes do, the three of us, together. They particularly enjoyed episodes 425 and 426, The Victorian Detectives. They're also Paul Taylor's fans now. Thank you for your funny podcast. Take care. Karine from La Rochelle in France. Well, thank you, Karine, and thank you very much to your two nine-year-old daughters who like my podcast. It's very heartening to know that there are some children out there who enjoy listening to me and don't just hate me with their with with all of their dark hearts, uh, the dark heart of a nine-year-old. Um, no, I'm glad that the, some of them out there enjoy listening. So I'd like to just say hello to Karine from La Rochelle and her two nine-year-old daughters. Hello, all of you. Um, it's very nice to hear from you. And I'm glad that uh, you enjoy listening to this podcast. Um, so you're from La Rochelle in France. I know La Rochelle, not because I've been there, because um, uh, when I was a kid at school, uh, and we learnt French in our French lessons, I say learnt French, we didn't really learn it. I don't think. I learned a few things. Basically, I learned how to say, hello, my name's Luke. I live in London. I have, I have uh, 10, uh, I'm 10 years old, which is like, uh, je m'appelle Luke, j'habite à London. 
<laughs> Jay Dizon. You know, that's that's how I said it then. It's honestly, since coming to, to France, I haven't ever had to say any of those things. I've never had to introduce myself like that, ever. Uh, but that's the first thing that we learnt at school. Um, anyway, um, the other things that I learnt from my English lessons at school, right, is that we used to use this textbook, which was called Tricolor. Okay, Tricolor um, was the name of the textbook. And the thing is that the textbook was set in La Rochelle. So everything that happened in the textbook uh, happened in La Rochelle. So all the characters... They were from La Rochelle. Uh, all the situations took place in La Rochelle. Everything was about life in La Rochelle. So I feel like I know La Rochelle now, even though I've never actually been there. Um, and the thing is that um, we used to do these listening exercises. So the teacher would bring in this old cassette player, like these ancient-looking cassette machines um, that they used to use in French classes at school, like these big black boxes, basically, like a huge black box, huge thing. And the teacher would bring it in and put it down on the desk and plug it in. And like, you know, these massive black boxes uh, for playing cassettes. I've I'd never, ever seen a tape machine like that in any other situation. They only ever existed in school classrooms. You couldn't buy these tape players anywhere else. I think they must have been like designed specifically to be used in English classes. Um, anyway, they, they often didn't work and they had problems and the sound quality was terrible. And the teacher would either play them too loud or too quietly and they would be impossible to understand. Um, so the only French that I ever heard was like, you know, that's the kind of French that I used to hear. And uh, the listenings that we always did, for some reason, it always seemed to be someone in the street asking for directions or asking a, a stranger for directions. You know, that seemed to be um, what always happened. And for some reason, it was always like an innocent young girl, like quite an attractive sounding, yet innocent, youthful young young girl, uh, asking a very sort of gruff old older man for directions to, to the, the tourist office you know, and you'd hear the sound of the street in the background, you know, and then, you know, the sounds of people walking, and then you'd hear the, the girl going, pardon, monsieur, où est l'office de tourisme, s'il vous plaît? And then the man would be like, ah oui, l'office de tourisme, which is always how he spoke, you know, I always imagine him smoking, like he smoked like a hundred cigarettes a day, ah oui, l'office <coughs> um, I don't know why these were the characters that we used to listen to, but it was always that innocent young girl, gruff, uh, dirty old man. These are the only people that I imagine exist in La Rochelle. Obviously, carrying you and your daughters are obviously the innocent young girls. Uh, pardon, monsieur, où est l'office de tourisme, s'il vous plaît? And the, the class, right, the, all the kids in the class would be falling off their chairs laughing at this stuff, all right? Because it just seems so ridiculous. And also, because somehow, everything we learnt in these French classes just sounded funny to us because it sounded rude. Because there were just some words that we learnt that sounded a bit rude. And basically, it's two words. One word was bonk which is the word for bank in French, la bonque. I think it's la bonque, isn't it? Yeah. Um, bonque. And the other one was piscine, 
which means swimming pool. Okay. And the, the other word that we found funny was baby foot, which is like table football. Baby foot. Uh, yeah, t- table football. Baby foot or baby foot. And for some reason, those three words would just destroy the class with laughter. Um, bonk is funny because bonk, it sounds like the word bonk, which is um, a word. Uh, it's not a swear word. It's kind of an innocent word, but it means to, ooh, how can I put this, to do to do something naughty in the bedroom when two adults get together uh, in the bedroom and they do naughty things, okay? That's to, to bonk, like bonking. That's basically what that means, uh, bonk. And pissine, well, it sounds like pissing, doesn't it? Pissing, which is a fairly rude word, you should know. It's not a word you should be using all the time. Slightly rude. And it means going to going for a wee-wee, pee-pee, pissing. So anytime the bonk or the pissing was mentioned, everyone would be falling off their chairs laughing. So usually the conversation would be like, Pardon, monsieur, où est l'office de tourisme, s'il vous plaît? Ah, oui, l'office de tourisme, oui. Uh, Tournez à gauche, uh, continuez tout droit, uh, c'est en face de la bonk. He said bonk. Oui, c'est juste après de la piscine. Oh, dear. Brilliant. Fun times. Fun times. So, next time I go to La Rochelle, I will make sure that uh, I ask a gruff man in the street. Où est l'office de tourisme? Next time, I will make sure I ask. Although, actually, I know where the office de tourisme is. It's en face de la banque and uh, près de la piscine. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Here's another comment uh, from the website. This is from Daniel uh, Zelichenko. Uh, hello, Daniel. Uh, and this is how his comment goes. He, he had three questions for me. Um, right. So Daniel wrote, Hi, Luke. Uh, thank you for your podcast. I've been listening to it since September 2016. It really helps me. I still make a lot of mistakes, but I feel more confident. Good, Daniel. You should feel confident. Why would you not feel confident? You should. You should feel confident, right? Good. Everyone else, you too, feel confident, okay? Good. You. Yes, you. Be confident. Good. You. Confident. Good. Feeling confident. Yeah, good. All these people here. Yeah, you're all confident. You're good. Over there at the back, confident. Excellent. Okay, good. Everyone's feeling confident. That's what I want to know. Uh, and Daniel has a few questions, and he's written this. Uh, he's written, Have you ever listened to comedy in other languages with subtitles? And what can you say about the sense of humour in different countries? Well, 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 that is a massive question, Daniel, I have to say. So, first one, have I ever listened to comedy in other languages with subtitles? Well, I've seen quite a lot of French comedy on TV, and also French comedy live in, in, in like stand-up shows in French. Um, and but not often with the subtitles because you know on French TV they they don't put English subtitles on everything, so I tend to watch French TV without the subtitles. Sometimes I stick on the French subtitles, which helps a little bit. But honestly, I do find it hard to understand. I, I find it really difficult to to get French comedy. I mean, my French is not very good. It's like A2, B1 in that area. It's not good. It's like pre-intermediate level. I know. 
I know, even after four years. If you're wondering about why, listen to my conversation with Daniel Goodson on my Fluent podcast. You'll see the episode in the archive. Listen to that if you want to know more about my learning of French. So, yeah, I do watch comedy in French, but I don't really understand it. And understanding the difference between British comedy and French comedy is quite hard to put my finger on. Um, Also, the sense of humour in different countries. Right, now... Daniel, this is a really big question, and it deserves uh, more time uh, than what I'm going to give to it right now in this episode. Uh, And I do plan to come back to this subject in a bit more detail later. One of the reasons for that is that I am actually planning to do a talk at the British Council about British humour and British comedy, and in comparison with French humour and French comedy. So I will be doing a a public talk at the British Council, actually, on the 27th of April at the British Council's uh, uh, building in Invalides in Paris. You're welcome to come. You just need to book tickets on the British Council's website. If you go to britishcouncil.fr and look for events, it should be there. Um, And everyone's free to come. And I'll be doing a talk for about 45 minutes. It's going to be a bit like a TED talk or something. Um, And um, the title of the talk is, uh, uh, what is this, British humour? That's the title of the talk. And I guess the subtitle would be, trying to explain British jokes to French people wish me luck. Um, And in that talk, I'm planning to kind of compare British humour and French humour, British comedy and French comedy, and try and explain it. But as I'm doing my research, I've, you know, obviously I'm coming across the fact that it's a pretty difficult subject. So, um, so French comedy on TV without subtitles, I don't really understand it. But I also, I do feel that their comedy is a bit different, a bit different to ours. And their humour is a bit different to ours as well. Here are just a, some, a few differences, basically. So British humour is quite self-deprecating. That means we like to make fun of ourselves. And we do that in order to be nice. You know, we do that to try and break the ice and to put ourselves on the same level as everyone else. Because in the UK, uh, what y- you must be able to take a joke, okay? And you must be able to laugh at yourself. You must be able to uh, have a good sense of humour about yourself. That's essential, honestly, absolutely essential. One thing you should know, that we value humour very highly, and we also value laughing at ourselves. So you should be able to take a joke you shouldn't take yourself too seriously, and you should also make fun of yourself a little bit. We call it being self-deprecating. It's very important in British culture because it shows that you're not arrogant and that you're not too self-important, okay? Um, and also, it shows you're not too rude. If you can joke about yourself, you're probably all right. Um, so our humour is self-deprecating. Now, French humour isn't really self-deprecating. They tend to use humour in a more combative way. They, 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 they're very witty and they like to use humour to kind of put each other down. You know, it's part of the repartee, the kind of clever, witty banter that they have it can be quite it can be a bit mean. I mean, in English humour, we can be mean as well. And we, we do make fun of each other as well. But French humour, is there's a lot of battling, I, I feel, in their humour. And they kind of put each other down a little bit. Um, okay. Um, in in uh, As far as I'm aware, our humour involves lots of understatement. So particularly of negative things. Like, you know, if there's something negative, you just downplay it. 
like, um, let's say, uh, it's rain- raining heavily outside and someone comes in, they're soaking wet. In England, you might say, oh, it's a bit wet outside, is it? Um, you know, something like that, kind of understating it. Whereas I think in France, often there's a, a, a tendency to overstate things and make things bigger and exaggerate them and make them uh, bigger in, in that sense. And, there's, and that makes things funny. In terms of comedy, I feel like in France there's a lot of situational comedy and it's often social social situations that play out in an embarrassing uh, way, like a farce, you know, like a an, like something would take place around a dinner uh, at a guest's house and the guests end up getting into a big argument or something. So there's a lot of situational comedy in, in France. Um, also in France, I think that they're quite visual with their comedy. So they like visual humour, physical clowning and things like that. Um, and and I get the impression as well that in French comedy is quite traditional, that it's linked to certain theatre traditions that go back years, you know, uh, like clowning and, and other sort of theatrical traditions. Whereas in the UK, our comedy has become a bit more sort of alternative um, and less um, connected to theatrical traditions. And it's more direct in the sense that we have stand-up comedy, which is very well established now. And stand-up comedy is all about authenticity and being on stage, telling your own personal story, talking directly to the audience, not sort of talking to imaginary people and creating an imaginary situation, uh, like playing the part of a of a person in a situation, but talking directly to the audience about truthful experiences uh, in stand-up comedy. And that has come out of a sort of counterculture um, connection, you know, c- connected to uh, like in America, the, the counterculture movement in the 1960s, which is kind of where American stand-up comedy came out of. And in Britain, our counterculture of like punk, you know, the punk movement in the late 70s and early 80s, which is associated with English uh, like uh, underground stand-up comedy. You know, so there are differences. I'm going to go into it in more detail when I finally do my talk at the British Council. Uh, and I expect I'll turn it into a podcast episode. I might even record myself doing the talk and then uh, publish it on the podcast. But uh, there you go. I'm just going to see if I can actually find the uh, event on the British Council's website. And then I can um, I can, I can uh, put a link to it on this page. Um, BritishCouncil.fr events. Am I going to find it here? I don't know if it's on the website yet. It's not here yet, but I, I'll publicise it when it when it's gone up because there's a poster for it and all that kind of stuff. So you'll be hearing more about that kind of stuff uh, soon. Um, another question from Daniel was this: um, Do you listen to other podcasts about learning English? And uh, maybe you can compare your one with others. Well. There are quite a lot of uh, podcasts for learners of English out there. I'm sure that many of you know them. Like, for example, there's the BBC Six Minute English, uh, which I don't really listen to. I've listened to it a few times, but it's not something I listen to, although I'm aware of the format and the way it works. I think BBC Six Minute English is fine. I think it's really great. It's very professionally made. One of the best things about it, two, two, two things about it, I think, which, are, which make it strong. One thing is that obviously that it's short, it's just six minutes, um, which means that unlike this one, you can just, you know, consume episodes really quickly. Now that's got its strengths and its weaknesses. Obviously, six minutes is is good in the sense that, uh, it, you know, it only takes you six minutes to listen to it. Um, but, you know, also, 
sometimes you want more, don't you? You want more of an extended conversation. You want more detail. You want more of a personal approach. And Six Minute English doesn't really do that. I mean, with my podcast, I tend to just, you know, use that stand-up comedy tradition, which is to just give you authentic kind of monologue talking about, you know, real things. I try to keep it real, try and make it as authentic as possible. And it's a personal thing and it's truthful and all that sort of thing. Whereas Six Minute English, it's actually, I think it's scripted in advance. So they actually, someone writes it all down first and then the, the, the presenters read out the script as if it's a normal conversation. So it's not quite as authentic as my episodes. Um, and yet in Six Minutes English, you know, they, they've a lot of thought and planning and preparation goes into the way that they design each episode. And the other thing is that they have transcripts for their episodes, which is a really, really important and useful tool. Because with the transcript, you can listen, um, you can repeat what you hear, and then you can check uh, what you heard in the transcript. And that's a great little tool to help you really push your English. Because you can do it in, I guess, three stages. Stage one, listen to the episode of Six Minute English and just understand it. Stage two, try and repeat word for word each line that they say. Try and repeat it. Stage three, check the transcript after you've repeated bits and see if what you said was exactly the same as what you heard. And if it was different, try to find out why. Maybe it's because of connected speech. Maybe it's because they use some words that you weren't aware of. Uh, you can then use the transcript to like Google those words uh, and then write them down in your notebook. And uh, it, you know, the whole process should take you about 20 minutes. So that's like, you know, a really good way that you can use something like six minute English. Whereas my podcast is more like a kind of extended listening experience where hopefully you're listening for a longer period of time and you feel like you're really drawn in, like I'm talking directly to you, you feel like it's coming straight from the heart and that it's authentic and that makes it engaging and ultimately you're getting more and more and more uh, authentic listening into your life on, on a regular basis uh, and it feels like a personal sort of relationship almost, which I think is a, a vital uh, part of um, developing your English, that it has to go not just into your mind, but sort of it has to get you in your heart as well in some way. Um, so I think that that's maybe something that I'm able to do on my podcast that is a, a little bit more difficult on six minute English, which is a slightly more kind of corporate feeling uh, product, let's say. But great. Um, another podcast I, I recommend to you is um, English Podcast, which is produced by Craig Wheeland. Now, you might know Craig already. You might listen to his podcast. You might remember Craig from an episode of this podcast in the past where I interviewed Craig and we talked about, you know, all sorts of things. Um, so Craig Wheeland uh, produces English Podcast. And um, he's also joined by his friend uh, Reza, and the two of them uh, produce episodes called, you know, uh, Apprendar English with Reza and Craig or Learn English with Reza and Craig on English podcast. And it's a great podcast. It's really, really nice. They're lovely. I mean, they're just lovely. It's a really pleasant uh, experience to listen to them talking. 
Reza and Craig are obviously good friends. They've got a very good rapport with each other. They also have a really good relationship with their audience and they regularly respond to questions about language uh, which are sent in by audience members. Um, the, the podcast mainly focuses on Spanish learners of English because Craig is based in, in Valencia, I think, in Spain. And so he speaks Spanish himself. And so, you know, they're able to identify the needs of uh, Spanish learners of English. Uh, so if you are Spanish, uh, then that could be a really great podcast for you to listen to, as well as this one. Um, I think, I'm not sure, but I think that they speak a little bit slower than, than I do on mine. Uh, that they focus more on teaching specific language points and language-related questions. Um, I do that a little bit less these days, preferring instead to focus on topics in my episodes and 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 uh, just producing like entertaining content. Um, but um, yeah, Craig often deals with language points in his episodes. Um, so check it out. English podcast is it's it's really nice, and I I, I like. Craig very much and I, I really like his work so uh, you can check it out English podcast um, also of course there is All Ears English which I probably don't even need to mention because I think that they're probably the most well-known English learning podcast out there All Ears English is produced by um, uh, Lindsay and Michelle and Jessica now I spoke to Lindsay uh, and Gabby uh, Gabby used to, to present on All Ears English. I spoke to Gabby and Lindsay uh, a few years ago. We talked about uh, culture shock experiences on this podcast. I also spoke to Jessica, uh, who is their sort of IELTS specialist. Um, so All Ears English is basically these three girls from the United States, uh, experienced English language teachers. Um, uh, Lindsay and Michelle focus on their sort of general English uh, episodes and Jessica focuses on the IELTS related episodes. And um, I mean, you know, you probably know about All Ears English. Uh, I think they're probably the most well known. The thing about All Ears English uh, is that they're very bright and very energetic uh, and full of enthusiasm. They're in their episodes, they focus on communication strategies natural sounding language and basically everything is focused on learning to communicate like an american native speaker uh, their episodes are pretty short they've got they usually have either language a language focus or a communication skills focus or a cultural focus in their episodes uh, they're very regular uh, and prolific uploaders uh, their episodes are pretty short they're, they're shorter than mine i think probably mine are the longest out there aren't they I think so. I think I kind of, I'm a little bit unconventional with the length of my episodes. I think most learning English podcasts tend to be shorter. That seems to be the received wisdom. I tend to just upload longer ones and that's just what I do. Um, that And that works out just fine for me. Um, so check out All Ears English. I mean, you probably know about them already. And you'll find energetic, bright and uh, useful episodes for learners of English there. Okay. All right, then. Uh, third question from Daniel here is, is this one. He says, I like to listen to your old episodes every now and then, but I found that in the uh, iPhone app, uh, the first episodes have disappeared. It starts now only from episode 33. Can you do something about it? Um, right, so Daniel, or Daniel, as, you, as you've written your name at the end of the episode, uh, uh, end of the comment there, Daniel uh, Daniel, so the, the, your question there, and I've, I've had this from a few different people as well, that you're, you're checking out the episode list on iTunes 
either on your podcasting app or on iTunes on your computer, and you've noticed that the old episodes have started to disappear from the list. Well, the reason that this is happening is it's because of iTunes, okay? iTunes basically have a 400-episode limit. And uh, once your podcast reaches 400 episodes, or once it goes over 400, the, pre- the older ones start to disappear off their list. So unfortunately, you can't access them from, uh, from iTunes anymore, which is a pity. I think you can get them from, different, from other podcasting apps like um, Pocket Casts or Acast or other you know, different apps that you might use for listening to podcasts. So you might want to change your app and use a different app like acast.com. Try that one, Acast. I think it's free and it's it's really great. You can download the episodes into the app and all that stuff. It's it's fine. Acast, I think they should be all available there. Otherwise, all of the episodes are still available on the on the website in the episode archive. So check that out. That's the that's how you can get those old episodes. They're still available free. It's just that iTunes restricts the number of episodes to 400 in their list. But uh, the, those episodes are still available in other places. Okay, so that was a comment from Daniel from Moscow. And he wrote, I'm not a ninja. No, you're not. And you're not anymore, Daniel, because you wrote that. And he said, you can, you can notice my name if you want. I think you mean, Daniel, I can mention your name. I think, I think that's what you mean, not notice. I can mention your name. Well, there you go. I have just mentioned your name. And Daniel adds at the end, P.S. I've just voted for your podcast. Thank you very much, Daniel. And in fact, thank you also to everyone else who's voted for Luke's English Podcast in the uh, British Podcast Awards. If you haven't done that, let me just take this opportunity now to encourage you to do it, all right? If you've got a computer near you or you've got a, a, a mobile phone and you're on the internet, go to britishpodcastawards.com. Uh, slash vote and search for Luke's English Podcast and then uh, vote for Luke's English Podcast because um, I I need absolutely every single one of you to vote, okay? I need every single one of you to vote for me in the British Podcast Awards. Uh, if I'm going to stand a chance of winning this, I do need every single one of you to vote for me. So please do it um, at your earliest convenience. Uh, here's a comment from uh, Ivan. And Ivan, Ivan said, I'd like to listen to you, Luke, um, speaking about Breaking Bad more. Because this is after I... Uh, uh, Ivan wrote this um, uh, the other day after he'd listened to a previous episode where I mentioned Breaking Bad. So Breaking Bad. All right, let me see if I can talk about Breaking Bad for about five minutes. Okay, let's see if I can do that. So five minutes. Let's go. So, um, I finished watching Breaking Bad, uh, the TV show. I finished watching all of it fairly recently. I'm a bit late to it. I understand that most other people were watching it uh, like a, a year or two ago when the season, when the, 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 the series, the show finished. Um, but I just finished it just the other day on Netflix. Um Ladies and gents, do you know Breaking Bad? I think probably most of you know about it. I think it's available in most places. Uh, Breaking Bad is, um, I would say, an extraordinary show. And um, I absolutely loved it. I I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. At the end, I think season six is just great. Just really good stuff. Now, I know other people who aren't as convinced as I am. Like I was talking to Oliver, my cousin, this weekend. He wasn't as convinced as me. But to be fair, he didn't finish watching it. 
I think if he'd finished watching it, he'd realise how clever and how good it is. Um, so if you don't know what Breaking Bad is, let me try and talk about it without spoilers. Essentially, the premise of the show is that it's about uh, a guy called Walter White. And Walter White, at the beginning of season one, is a chemistry teacher at the local high school. He's kind of a bit of a weak man. You know, he's a bit weak, like uh, people walk all over him. He doesn't stand up for himself. He's got a difficult uh, job at his local school trying to teach uh, teenagers about chemistry and he doesn't get respect from people. You know, people walk all over him all the time and he doesn't get people's respect. His, uh, his, his, he loves his wife and his son, uh, but his, his brother-in-law who is a, a DEA agent, uh, an agent from the, um, what is it, the Drug Enforcement Agency. So he's a cop. His brother-in-law is a cop and his name is Hank. And Hank is a kind of a macho guy, an alpha male kind of guy, a bit of a tough guy. And Hank uh, often sort of patronizes Walt and, um, um, you know, he again, he walks all over him, doesn't really show him the level of respect that he deserves. So Hank is this, uh, not Hank, uh, uh, Walt is a fairly sort of pathetic guy, although he loves his family very much. And over the, over the course of the six series, Walt goes from this kind of pushover to the most frightening, fearsome, cold-blooded man that you can imagine. The most terrifying um uh, criminal basically and it happens slowly over degrees um you know slowly bit by bit he transforms and the transformation happens without you even sort of really realizing it you know it's so cleverly written that he transforms into this monster a real monster um so slowly and so carefully uh, that you never really, um, you, you you never really sort of dislike him. You're with him all the way through until maybe the very end when you start to realise that this man has become a monster. And it's so incredible because we've we've followed him on this journey. We've followed him through this transformation, and every single step of the way has been a kind of a logical step in a sense. So. Uh, this is not giving anything away if I if I explain what happens in the first couple of episodes. That Walt is this you know this sort of slightly pathetic chemistry teacher, and he learns that he's got cancer. He's been he's he gets diagnosed with cancer. I think it's lung cancer. So he's sick, and uh, he needs money to pay for the treatment. Okay, now uh, he decides that. Or he realizes that he can make money if he starts producing uh, methamphetamine, which is a dangerous class A drug, um, a powerful um, chemical drug, which is which is like a dirty street drug, like a really awful drug, which is uh, extremely bad, extremely serious, and really really uh, damaging to many different. Uh, communities in the united states like a, a genuinely awful drug but and, and a drug which is um you know uh, sweeping across the united states to be fair and other parts of the world uh methamphetamine it's a kind of purified form of amphetamine it's it's a bit like crack 
for like crack is a sort of purified treated form of cocaine like a crystallized form of cocaine or something methamphetamine is the same thing but made from amphetamine and it's a you know it's a powerful and addictive uh, uh, drug okay so walter white decides that he can start producing this drug and that's how he's going to get the money to pay for his treatment because if he doesn't do that then his family's going to be bankrupt you know his family will uh, that if if Walter White uh, doesn't survive the cancer, that his family won't have any money, and it'll be kind of curtains for the family. So at, at the beginning, he decides to uh, take this desperate step, uh, do something extraordinary, and start producing methamphetamine in order to pay for his cancer treatment. Now, he ends up getting together with one of the students from his school who is this kind of low-level sort of criminal guy, like a drug dealer, who approaches Walter White asking him... Uh, no, I think... Wait a minute. I think Walter White approaches his, approaches Jesse at first. Anyway, they get together to start producing methamphetamine, which then brings them into contact with the drug underworld. And slowly but surely, they start to use strategy to um, get more of a, uh, of a foothold in the drug world. And that then basically turns them into organised criminals. They become sort of drug-dealing gangsters, in a sense, uh, without really intending to at the beginning. But the thing is that Walter White, this unassuming teacher, turns out to be really ruthlessly good as a drug dealer. I mean, really ruthlessly good at it. And it, it, it sort of consumes him over time. Um, so I'm not going to talk more about the plot, but I do like the way that the character develops and the, and the, the way it feels like a, a natural process to an extent. Um, now, the, the series kind of dips a little bit at the beginning. It doesn't start that strong. In fact, maybe the first two or three series are a little slow and it takes a little while for it to really get its fingernails into you. But I, I think that if, you, if you're considering watching it, then, you know, watch the first three seasons and, and then, you know, remember that it gets better as it goes along. And when you get to season five and six, uh, particularly season six, a lot of the things that happen in the first few seasons, they really come back and they pay off in later seasons. Now, it's quite explicit. There's quite a lot of violence in it and some some rude you know language and some shocking moments it's not necessarily for everyone but I, I like it one of the things that i was particularly impressed by was the way in which every single aspect to the story every single thing that's happened in every episode does get resolved at the end all the different characters come back every little storyline uh, is concluded and it all comes back and the story really does go out and come back again. It it goes out to the point where um, uh, the characters have gone through this change and become these these ruthless uh, criminals, and then it comes back because it it all turns round, and uh, you know that you you get the consequences of everything that that is done. And, you know, it's genuinely emotional at the end and shocking. And like the, 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 I guess the last five episodes of season six, I was utterly transfixed by it and quite obsessed by it and excited as well. I mean, those, it was a very happy time. 
<laughs> right? Like in my life, it was a happy time because I felt good because I knew I had some episodes of the show to watch. So, you know, check out Breaking Bad. Um, uh, I think you should watch it and you'd enjoy it. Um, and uh, uh, great acting. I mean, um, Bruce, is it, what's his name? Brian Cranston. And uh, who's the other guy? Uh, oh God, what's his name? I can't remember the guy who plays Jesse. Uh, Jesse in Breaking Bad is played by uh, Aaron Paul. So Aaron Paul as Jesse and Brian Cranston as uh, 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 Walter White. Excellent performances. In fact, everyone's brilliant in it. They're all great. Um, now, I understand that I'm building it up quite a lot. You know, I'm building it up uh, here. So if I raise your expectations too high, uh, you know, possibly, you, you know, you'll go into it watching it thinking, Luke said it was brilliant. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. And then you watch it, it. It will only disappoint you. So, you know, bring your expectations down a bit. It might not be for you, but um, I really liked it. And remember, keep watching because it gets better as it goes along. Okay, so that's me talking about Breaking Bad, Ivan. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, here's a question with a grammar uh, with a, with a grammar point in it. I can't remember who wrote this, but this this was written on my website a while ago, and it goes like this. Um, Hi, Luke. I have a basic question for you, teacher Luke. Well, maybe most Lepsters will laugh at this doubt, but I really can't notice sometimes the difference between some bits of grammar. For example, I did walk versus I walked. I mean, when should I use uh, the suffix ed or when should I just use the past simple I walked? And when should I use it with the auxiliary verb I did walk? Now, maybe it's a basic grammar issue, but I hate studying grammar. Thanks. All right. Sorry, I can't remember your name, but it's a perfectly good question. And it's the sort of thing that I'm sure many learners of English think about sometimes uh, without really understanding what the answer is. Um, now, I'm saying that, though, I'm sure that many of you out there have already answered this question in your uh, journey uh you know, in your learning English journey, you've probably encountered this question. What's the difference between, for example, I did walk and I walked, okay? Or I went and I did go, okay? Now, some of you out there in your heads are already answering this question. Uh, now, the, the, the answer that you might be thinking of right now, ladies and gentlemen, is emphasis. It's used for emphasis. For example, I did walk. I did walk to school. It's used to emphasize the verb, right? I did go, you know, like, for example, why didn't you go to the supermarket? I asked you to go to the but I did go to the supermarket. It's used for emphasis. Well, yes, it is used for emphasis, but it's not just emphasis, okay? It's not just emphasis. I have seen uh, people making that mistake. I've, re I've read uh, comments and I've, you know, seen plenty of examples of people writing uh, a sentence with do or does or did, because this works with either present simple or past simple. For example, I like it, I do like it, he likes it, he does like it, right? Or past simple, I liked it, I did like it, you know, she did like it, he did like it, okay? So I've seen plenty of people writing this in a sentence just to emphasise it, but it's not always right, okay? So it's, it's, um, um, it, it's, um, you know, it doesn't just make something more powerful, for example, you know, if you've written, if you wanted to say that you listened to my podcast really intensely, uh, you wouldn't write, I did listen to your podcast yesterday. 
that doesn't mean that you listen to it really intensely. It just means that, for example, someone is doubting that you listened to it or someone is claiming that you didn't and you're defending yourself. You're correcting or contradicting someone. So it's not just used to emphasize, it's used to contradict or correct something. For example, in an argument where you have to defend yourself, you know, like you didn't do your homework, did you? Yeah, I, you didn't do your homework. But I, no, I did. I did do, I did do my homework. Uh, you didn't go to the supermarket. I did go to the supermarket. Look, here's all the shopping. Here are the bags. I did. Here's the receipt. I did go to the supermarket, for example. Okay. So to 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 sort of, if someone is suggesting that you didn't, and you want to emphasise that you did, that's when we'd use uh, the auxiliary verb do or did in there. Okay. So it's not that common. Um, we also use it with the word enjoy as a way of emphasizing it. I did enjoy Breaking Bad. I really did enjoy that. Okay? So to contradict or correct someone, like, but I did go to the supermarket. Or to emphasize the word enjoy, I did enjoy that film. You know? Okay? Otherwise, like the vast majority of the time, we just use past simple or present simple in the normal way. But if you're, if you're defending yourself, contradicting or correcting someone, like, for example, I, but I did give I did give you that money, you know, then that's how we'd use it. All right. Um, here is a question from someone called Christopher. And Christopher wrote this uh, a while ago. He wrote, hello, Luke, how do you do? Uh, fine, thanks, Christopher. How are you? All right. Um, and Christopher said, as a start, I want to say thank you for your great for the great work you do. You're welcome. Uh, besides your podcast, I also hear a lot of BBC stuff. Most of them are political talks or documentaries. I find it very interesting to hear different opinions about a topic. But there's one thing I find really curious and I was hoping that you might be able to help me out of my confusion. In every talk show, the guest addresses the host with his forename, his, his first name. For example, this. Today we're talking with the new director of Strawberry Media, Jackie Smith. Welcome. And then Jackie Smith goes, thanks, Steve. Nice to be here. Okay, so Christopher is talking about the way in which Jackie Smith used uh, the word Steve, not Steve Steve Jones, but just Steve. Today on the uh, on the on the Money Program, we're talking to the new director of Strawberry Media, Jackie Smith. Welcome, Jackie. And then Jackie says, "Thanks, Steve. Nice to be here." And Christopher says, "In Germany, we would find this very informal, and it never would happen on a political talk show. Why do you do that?" in Great Britain. Uh, best wishes to France. Christopher. Well, so Christopher, basically your question here is that why on a political talk show does the host or guest use the first name to address the other person? Why are they on first name terms? Uh, uh, okay, because you you seem to think that would be very informal. Um, right, so this is a question of culture, isn't it? It's just a question of the formality level and the culture uh, between, let's say, the UK and a country like Germany. And I think it's not just true for Germany, but generally in Europe, I think it's fairly common in that situation to use someone's surname, their second name. Uh, thanks, Mr. Thanks, Mr. Jones, um, rather than uh, thanks, Steve, right? Uh, and in the UK and in America, in this Anglo-Saxon kind of culture, it is fairly common to use first names you know, from the beginning. 
Okay, that's just the culture. We have a slightly more informal culture. Now, I know that many people out there seem to think that the UK is more formal, that we're somehow more reserved or formal than other places. I don't think it's true. I think we're actually surprisingly informal in, let's say, business situations or even on a political talk show. And so we do use first names quite a lot. We find it to be a bit more sincere. Um, and it's just fine. It's it's appropriate. Okay. Now, the question that the, the, the issue that you might be facing out there listening to this, I mean, I doubt that you'll end up on a political talk show, but who knows. But for you, you might be thinking, if I'm doing business with people in English, should I be using their surname or should I be using their first name? What's the protocol here? Okay. Now, um, in an email, right? Here's how it goes for me in emails. So the main, the first thing you should do, <clears throat> how do you address your emails? Is it dear Mr. Smith, dear sir, or is it dear Steve? Okay. Or is it even hi Steve or hello Steve? Or how do you do it? Well, the first thing I think you should do is check the way in which they are addressing you. So check their email. Did they say dear John or dear, you know, did they, did they write, uh, you know, dear Anna uh, or did they write, dear, you know, Mrs. Smith? Because if they're using your surname, a rule of thumb is just do what they do. So copy the style that they use to address you. Okay. Now, if it's the first contact, if you've had no contact from them, it's the first contact, then it's okay to use a surname, I think. Dear Mr. Smith, dear Mr. Thompson. It's okay, particularly if it's uh, if you're trying to be polite and respectful. Uh, but once they've replied to you, I think that it's okay to just use the first name if that's what they've done. So copy what the person has done to you. If they've written in a certain style, copy that style. And after a while, once you've developed a little bit of a relationship, you can start using first names. Now, if you actually go and meet a person, okay, um, then again, the first time you meet them, especially if it's a business person, professional context and you're in suits and it's you know a little impersonal the first time you meet you can use surnames uh, excuse me are you mr smith hello my name's luke now i would to be honest with you even in a business situation i i would immediately go in with my first name i'd say hi my name's luke thompson or my name's luke uh, i'm the marketing manager here nice to meet you would you like to come through to the office and we can we can sit down would you like anything to drink would you like a coffee uh, you know first name terms straight away, I have to say. So it's just a difference in culture, Christopher. That's all it is. It's just a question of culture. So we tend to use first names in those situations because we just find it a little bit more, uh, you know, a bit more personal. In fact, if you're using surnames, uh, we actually find that to be, um, that's that's even impolite. Uh, and it's, we don't tend to use surnames, basically. You can you can use first names in a business context, but if you're not sure, um, then just, you know, check to see how they are addressing you and copy that style, okay? Right then. So um, I think we've got one more question. Uh, do I have one more question? No, two more questions here. Let's, let's fly through these ones. Okay, so this one is from Dimitri from Russia. Hello, Dimitri. And Dimitri says this, Luke, I really adore your podcasts. Thanks very much. But I've got a, uh, I've got a question. Uh, when I listen to your podcasts, I understand absolutely everything you say, no matter how quick you speak. But when I try to watch something that's made for natives uh, and by natives, 
like movies or songs, it's extremely difficult or sometimes completely impossible to get what they say. Could you please explain this in one of your episodes? Uh, Why does this happen? And also, could you come up with some ideas on how to cope with this problem? Thank you in advance. Your podcasts are amazing. All right, thanks. Okay, so Dimitri, uh, you find it difficult to understand uh, movies uh, like in English, uh, movies or songs uh, made uh, f- by native speakers for native speakers, although you understand everything I say without any problems. What's going on uh, and how do you solve this? Okay, um, well, I've just put together a few reasons and a, and a few solutions to this issue as well. So uh, here are some reasons why it might be difficult to understand movies or TV shows or songs uh, in English, even though you understand everything I say on this podcast. So first of all, familiarity. It's a question of familiarity. You are very familiar with my voice. If you listen to my episodes like once a week or several times a week, uh, and you know my episodes are an hour long or more in many cases, then you will become very familiar with my voice and you'll start to know my speech patterns you'll you'll understand how i speak and you'll just get used to it basically so it's a question of familiarity and you know watching movies you're less familiar with the people speaking uh and so that's that's one of the reasons it's difficult another reason is that i have a particularly clear way of speaking now that doesn't mean that i speak in an unnatural way or that i speak extra slowly i don't speak extra slowly in fact i make an effort to speak uh normal speed or even quickly uh, at times like right now for example i'm not like excuse me i'm not i'm trying to close the window uh, done it. Okay. Like right now, I'm I'm actually moving pretty quickly because I'm running out of time and I've still got stuff to talk about. I'm certainly not slowing down my English to make it simple. I'm going pretty quickly, I have to say. But what I am doing is making an effort to speak really clearly. Okay. And that means, for example, sort of pausing at certain moments, uh, putting some rhythm, some sentence stress into my uh, sentences, uh, certain bits of inf- intonation. And I'm making an effort to speak uh, clearly. Okay. I'm talking to an audience. I am essentially doing a show. And in episodes, uh, like this, you know, I'm, I'm speaking in a clear way in the same way that someone who's doing a presentation or doing a talk or presenting a radio show, they speak clearly in order to communicate directly with the audience. Okay. Um, now in episodes with my guests, uh, you hear, uh, me using a slightly more natural speech pattern as I'm in real conversation. And that's why it's good for me to have guests on this podcast because, you know, you hear different speech patterns and things like that. But when I'm talking to you, uh, solo like this, uh, I'm making an effort to communicate uh, to you directly, just like you would expect from someone doing a presentation. Now, the thing is that in movies, they're not do- talking directly to you like that. They're not. They're talking to each other. You're listening to characters uh, in natural conversation, talking to each other. Uh, and that makes it much more, much, much more difficult to understand because films feature people talking to each other in natural situations. They're not facing you talking directly to you. And there is a difference. It's a big difference. It's much easier to understand it when the person is engaging you directly rather than when you are just listening in on other people's conversations. Okay. Um, 
and uh, I'm, I'll, I'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, another reason why it's easier to understand me is that in these episodes, usually it's just me. Uh, there, you know, there's no distracting stuff, no interruptions, no sounds, nothing else going on. It's just a monologue from me to you. Okay. Uh, movies contain loads of different sound effects, loads of different music, and loads of different background noise. In fact, it's a whole soundscape, a massive soundscape of different things going on. It's not just the English. There's many, 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 many other things going on that you don't even really notice. And all of those things contribute to the whole world of the movie. Um, now, um, my podcast is recorded to be listened to and for every single word to be understood. Movies are not always supposed to be understood completely. In fact, often films are confusing, okay? And they're confusing on purpose. Uh, they're, done that, they're, they're done like that for stylistic reasons. Um, you know, they, uh, they're, they're realistic, um, and you know that the director has chosen a realistic style in some movies in fact many many movies you get the feeling you're just sort of like on the edge of the action just sort of listening in on other people's conversations particularly very realistic films um you know you get the sense that you're just sort of observing other people and that and because of that you don't really hear everything they're saying um uh, you know like the dialogue is not always audible uh, many films feature this kind of naturalistic dialogue. For example, incomplete sentences mumbled under each under the breath of the of the actors, and it's a totally intentional stylistic choice. It's supposed to be natural and realistic, and therefore, you know, you can't expect to understand and follow everything they say. Films are also just confusing. They often don't make sense. You know, I to be honest, I often watch films and I've got no idea what's going on. Even, you know, fairly simple stuff. Like sometimes I'm just like, what's what's going on? I don't know what's happening now. Um, so if you are confused by films, you know, that's kind of normal. Whereas my episodes have a pretty linear structure. It's pretty clear what I'm talking about, when I'm talking about it. You know what's going on at all times. Also, my podcast is recorded in order to be heard by you. So I use uh, microphones to record the voices clearly. I reduce background noises. I just try and get my voice, I try to get my mouth as close to the microphone as possible so that it's picking up my voice clearly. Movies aren't like that. They add noise, they add recorded voices to be blended in with the rest of the soundscape. Uh, movies are also a visual medium. Uh, so much of the message is in the visuals. In fact, to a large extent, to, to the majority of the time, movies are telling a visual story. You know, the way that the camera is placed, the, the way that the action takes place on the screen. The audio track is an accompaniment to the visuals, and so it has a secondary importance. Also, you often get distracted by the visuals, and so you end up not really concentrating on the audio. Now, one thing you could do, and I'm going to give some more ideas in a moment, one thing you could do is just try listening to some movies, like just listening without watching. Now, this sounds a bit strange, but you could try getting the audio from a movie and simply listening to it, you know, just listen to the audio track. And then you can focus more on the words. You, you might find that you're able to concentrate a lot more on it. And then you can watch the movie and you and after you've heard already the whole soundtrack and all the, the talking, you then actually watch the movie, you might find that you understand a lot more of the dialogue that way because you're allowing yourself to focus only on the speech. Uh, more ideas in a moment, but uh, before we get there, um, most films are in American English 
you know, and obviously I speak British English, although there aren't really that many differences, but you might just be more familiar with British English after listening to me. Um, also, movies feature lots of different accents uh, with characters who might speak in different ways that you're not familiar with. Uh, that also could be another reason why it's challenging. And on the subject of songs, you talked about songs. Songs don't always make sense. There are there, There's lots of artistic license. Um, I mean, like, you know, lyrics don't really work in the same way that normal language works. It's rare that song lyrics are written in a way that you would hear English in a conversation or a speech. They're poetic, you know, and there's a lot of artistic license. Personally, I often don't catch the lyrics of songs. I don't really understand what they're going on about. And I'm listening to the music and the lyrics are just like this weird stream of consciousness. If you want examples of that, then listen to my episodes about misheard lyrics because there you'll hear lots of examples of uh, songs that I just don't really can't hear properly and I, it sounds like they're singing something else and it doesn't really make total sense. So the English in songs isn't really normal English. Sometimes it's just a stream of consciousness with no proper discourse structure like in spoken English, which might account for why it's difficult to understand songs as well as movies. So here are some solutions. So I talked about, first of all, listening to just the audio of a movie and then watching the movie. That might help. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, you just need to watch more movies and get more and more familiar with them and just get used to it. Uh, it's also generally a question of just improving your English more, you know, that um, that uh, uh, that my podcast is pitched at a, you know, I try to pitch it at a challenging level, but it's it's still less challenging than a lot of the, the complex movies that you might watch. So, you know, understand that this podcast is easier than like pure movie level speech okay and i've done that on purpose it's not patronizing low level english that i'm using here i'm i know I, I really do just try to speak naturally but you know you have to understand that it's a little easier than the english that you would hear in a movie so you know you'd still have work to do you still got to push your english you still got to get familiar with different forms different accents and also all the different types of uh, vocabulary that you're going to hear in movies um also bear in mind that movies sometimes feature sort of specific uh, vocab about specific technical stuff, um, all right? Um, now, obviously, you can use subtitles. Uh, try watching movies with the subtitles on, and you might find that that helps. And I mean English subtitles, because seeing the words that you're hearing can actually help you to bridge the gap between, you know, the fact that you can't really identify the words as they're spoken. So you could switch the subtitles on. But, you know, mix it up. Subtitles sometimes, then no subtitles, then subtitles again. Or you can watch the film with the subtitles on, and then watch it again without the subtitles on. Um and um, don't worry about it too much. Uh, you know, remember that. Don't worry if you don't understand everything because, honestly, sometimes I can't catch the things that they're saying in movies either. I often sit in cinemas or at home watching movies not really being able to, to identify the things they're saying and being a bit confused, okay? Especially if they're natural sort of mumbly movies. Realise that there are times when you will not understand the English in movies. It's just going to happen. So realise it and realise that movies are hard to understand. So don't be shocked when you don't understand them. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with your English, you know. Often movies are mysterious or they simply don't make sense. I struggle with them too sometimes. So don't worry about it too much. 
Um, although saying that, you could also try using headphones when you watch your movies so that you can hear more clearly. Uh, try watching movies multiple times. And uh, a specific technique would be that you practice shadowing specific scenes. Okay, Shadowing, that basically means where you repeat exactly what you hear. And you can use the pause button and the rewind button. So listen to a bit of English, repeat it, pause, you know, repeat it, rewind, listen to it again, repeat it again. Uh, do that for a specific scene. Don't just do the whole film. It's too much. Break it down to your favorite scene or like a good moment of dialogue. Press play, pause, repeat, rewind, play, pause, repeat. And then switch on the subtitles and do it again with the subtitles. And that way you can actually compare what you were repeating with what they actually said. Do that again and again with a few different scenes from films. Uh, again and again on a regular basis and you'll find that your English gets better and better and you will become more and more adept at following movies, okay? Um, all right then. Uh, and, you know, repeat lines from those movies. Learn your favourite scenes, like watch Taken and watch the scene with him on the telephone. I don't know who you are. You know, watch that scene and repeat it after him and other scenes from classic movies as well. You know, it's really good fun. I mean, that's really good fun. Copying the performance and, you know, like repeating the scenes, learning the lines from your favorite movies. I do that a lot, you know, with English films that I love. I remember the lines and I repeat them and stuff. It can be really, really good fun. And it will help to train yourself to hear and understand movie dialogues more easily. And if you like take scenes from movies and you practice saying them, you're also going to be developing your intonation and like sentence stress and, and word stress and pronunciation in order to try and replicate the way in which they speak in movies. Uh, you're going to be, you know, copying their speech patterns. It's really good practice for your English. Okay. One final question at the end of this episode. I'm going to try and wrap this up in a few minutes, but it's going to be a challenge. Um, and this is on the subject of movies. This is a, a comment from Jane and it goes like this. Hi, Luke. I really like those episodes uh, where you talked about superheroes. I did a couple of those last year. Uh, could you do an episode about the movie Logan, please? I would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much. Best regards, Jane. Okay, so Jane wants me to talk about the movie Logan, which is um, a recent uh, movie about Wolverine, one of the X-Men. It's a recent Wolverine movie. Well, I've talked about the X-Men on this podcast before. Last year, I did a little series about superheroes, and I did an episode about X-Men Apocalypse, which I thought was a, a huge steaming pile of horse manure. I thought it was absolutely rubbish. Uh, I quite like superhero movies, but I thought X-Men Apocalypse was really crap. Um, since then, uh, they've brought out a new Wolverine movie called Logan. And uh, I went to see it in the cinema a few weeks ago, and I really liked it. I really liked it, okay? Now, it's not the best film I've ever seen, but I definitely liked it. I thought it was one of the best superhero movies I've seen for a while. So, okay, let me try and talk about it quickly. So, um, the plot of Logan... Oh, goodness. So, it's basically all about Wolverine... And um, we see that Wolverine, uh, it's set in the future. It's set like a few years into the future. And Wolverine is kind of old and he's sick and he's not happy. He's not well. It's dark. It's a pretty dark film. Some, for some reason, all the other mutants, the other X-Men are all dead, except for Wolverine and Professor Charles Xavier, Professor X, 
And another guy played by uh, Stephen Merchant. I can't remember his name. He's a bit like a sort of vampire or something, Nosferatu kind of guy. But mainly it's about Logan and Professor Xavier. Um, and the plot of the film is essentially that uh, Logan is sick and he seems to be dying. The other mutants are dead. Uh, it seems to be the end of the mutants. But then we learn that there is a girl, a young girl, who's got mutant powers. And in fact, a whole group of children who've been kept in like a, a special secret army laboratory where evil scientists have been doing tests on them, trying to develop um, and trying to control uh, the mutant genes or whatever in order to then use them for their evil purposes. Um, and uh, um, it's it's good. I like it. I like the way it fits into the X-Men universe. Um, and I like the way it deals with... Uh, sort of the x-men in a um in a more realistic way and one of the things i liked about it is that it's a bit like a western you know like these western movies where there's like an old gunslinger who's like you know he's getting old and uh he's an, he, do, he just wants to be left alone and yet the bad guys keep coming back to get him and he's reluctantly brought back to fight against them and he just wants to you know, to die in peace, but the bad guys keep coming back to get him. It's a bit like that. I like the way it's all stripped down. There's none of this nonsensical stuff about, you know, uh, you know, mutants coming to take over the world. It's none of that stuff. It's all about uh, the character of Logan just trying to come to terms with the bad things he's done in the past, just trying to get some peace of mind. Um, and it's very dirty and he's kind of lost and all that stuff. It's good. The Logan's story, so Wolverine's story, basically, from the other films, is that he was born in the early 19th century and he developed his mutant powers in childhood. His mutant powers are that his body regenerates. Uh, so it can take damage, but it immediately regenerates. So he's basically indestructible. And also he has these claws made of bone which come out of his knuckles. He's got these claws which fly out of his knuckles when he's angry and he can use them to fight, okay? And so all the way through history, he fought in different wars. He fought in the American Civil War, the First World War, the Second World War, and in Vietnam. And after Vietnam, he was basically kind of like taken by the army and turned into a super weapon as part of an army secret program. And what they did was they covered his whole skeleton in this sort of indestructible metal called adamantium, which is one of the strongest metals on the planet. And this basically made him indestructible and turned him into like a war machine kind of thing. Um, all right. Uh, as part of an army super weapon program. Uh, but then Logan uh, escapes from the army um, and loses his memory. Um, and, you know, that's kind of how we f discover uh, Wolverine uh, at the beginning of the X-Men movie franchise. Um, and then all the events of the X-Men movies happened. It's all very confusing. It doesn't really make sense. And now we end up at sort of the, the end of the storyline here where Logan uh, is is sick the adamantium in his skeleton is poisoning him. He's sick. And the only other X-Man, basically, that's alive is Charles Xavier, who is now old, and it seems he's suffering from Alzheimer's. Now, Charles Xavier's X-Men power, is he's got, like, amazing mind control. He can kind of read people's minds. He's got telekinesis. He can read people's minds, and he's, his brain is, like, the most powerful thing in the world. Now, 
imagine that brain suffering from Alzheimer's. It's basically kind of um, uh, uh, the brain cells are dying, uh, and it's it's the most dangerous brain in the world, and it's suffering from uh, from Alzheimer's disease. And as far as we can tell, this causes uh, uh, Xavier to have these kind of um, uh, uh, what, what would you call them? Uh, these kind of uh, seizures, right? So every now and then, Charles Xavier has a seizure, which is where he kind of has a fit or something, and it creates this extremely damaging energy field all around him, which kind of kills everyone nearby. And, you know, I don't really understand it, but it just sort of makes the air go, go makes the air go like that, and then, you know, it causes people to die and stuff. Every now and then, he has one of these, and it seems that... Uh, uh, Charles Xavier had a fit or a seizure in the past and it may have killed all the X-Men. We don't know, but it's like a kind of dusty post-apocalyptic world where the X-Men are dying and, you know, it's all very dark. Um, and uh, so I think also uh, they then discover that there is that there, there is a young girl. Uh, Charles Xavier keeps having these visions of this young girl and then... I think somehow they end up like finding the girl and then the the bad guys are chasing after the girl and they want to kill Logan. They want to take the girl and use her for their scientific tests and stuff like that. Logan reluctantly uh, decides that he's going to fight um, uh, to protect her and to protect these people. Uh, and, um, you know, that's the basic premise of the of the story. Um, and I just really liked it. I, I liked the way that it was a back-to-basics approach for the film. I like the fact it's it's similar to a Western with lots of references to Western movies. Um, I, I just enjoyed that a lot. I, I like the fact that they focused on Logan, who is the most interesting of the X-Men, uh, this character who is a reluctant uh, hero, the man who's sort of struggling to deal with uh, the, the things that he's done in his life in the past, uh, he's obviously suffering and experiencing a lot of pain uh, and things like that. He's he's ready to give up, but he he, he doesn't. Um, it's it's a nicely written thing. The one of the problems with it potentially is that it's extremely violent. I mean, it is a very very bloodthirsty film, and if you don't like violence, then you probably better in, uh, avoid it because there is a lot of gory violence and really quite explicit fighting in there with you know blood and and various other things. But it's a a, a, a fairly emotional film for people who like uh, superhero movies that are not too fantastical, you know. For me, at their worst, superhero films are most ridiculous when it's just big robots punching each other or big indestructible monsters in space punching each other. I'm not interested in that at all. I'm interested in human stories, pain, suffering, uh, frailty, emotion, heartbreak, uh, love, uh, survival, um, you know. Those sorts of narratives are things that are interesting to me, and it's interesting that they've put those things into a very simple uh, superhero story. So I really liked it, Jane, basically. Okay? All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks very much for listening. Remember, Tokyo Lepsters, if you're in Tokyo on the 13th of April, come to... Um, oh, what's the name of the venue again? I can't remember the name of the venue. Uh, just going to find out in just a second. Come to the show at Gamuso in Asagaya uh, on the 13th of April in the evening. Come and see me do comedy. Hopefully I'll make you laugh. 
I might talk about Star Wars. I might talk about Taken. I might talk about my French or something. Uh, there will be jokes. There will be humour. It'll be good fun. Come on down. It's going to be good fun. If you haven't voted for Luke's English Podcast in the British Podcast Awards, please do it now. BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. Vote for Luke's English Podcast. If you haven't joined the mailing list, uh, do it. Go to the website and enter your email address. You'll get a link in your inbox, which will take you to the page for the episode. Check out the episode archive where you can find uh, episodes that you might not have listened to. Oh my God, it's so exciting. Life is good right now. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I'll speak to you again soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.